You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I'm your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two fabulously divine, wondrous, and absolutely miraculous co-hosts are (laughs) Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Say hello, Ron and Karen. Hi, guys. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's morning for us. I don't know when you get to listen to this, but uh, actually I do, but uh, never mind. (laughs) I'm starting off well this morning. Yeah, I can see that. I will uh, warn our listeners in advance that parts of this program you may find controversial. However, one of the things that, you know, we've been talking about, and we see a lot of it in people, is that people get angry at each other, and, and they seem to let things blow all out of proportion. And that's on a world level as well as on a personal level. And it was a statement actually that Ron came up with, and I kind of like it, so I'll start off with it. Irreconcilable differences does not mean you need to create a third world war. That statement has a lot of connotations to it. And I know that everyone is all over the map for their answers to violence and how we handle violence and where we go in our own thoughts to become violent. But there seems to be a lot of people, or at least a group of people, a segment of our populations, that always seem to think that war and violence is the answer. And they always just say, I'll kill them, as if that's going to solve anything, because you can't kill everyone unless it's one person you're after, then it makes it a little easier. But when you're after thousands and thousands and they're hidden all over the place, how the heck do you ever kill them? Uh, Same goes for countries, though. We've seen in the Iraq war, for example, that, yes, you may bomb headquarters of whomever, but you usually take out the rest of the surrounding neighborhood as well. Mm -hmm. So we ended up with 100 to 200,000 civilian deaths that, in reality, when you look at it, those civilian deaths, because they're in their house next door or two doors away, they don't really, really care about what your motives were. You've just killed half their family. And they won't like anyone who does that. (laughs) And quite frankly, can you blame them? So all of a sudden now, we have 100 to 200,000 people who don't think fondly of the West and what we've done. And when you look at it from that perspective, it's entirely understandable in my mind. And yet we still keep saying, yay, bomb them. That's not a solution. It's never been a solution, and it never will be a solution, and it's never worked. So that's my comment on it um, to start. So I'd like to throw it out there and see who else would like to come in on that note. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Martin, you were we were speaking earlier, and you were talking about some words of wisdom from um, the Dalai Lama. Yes. And I came across a quote that I think speaks to your introduction exactly, and that is, through violence, you may solve one problem, but you sow the seeds for another. So exactly to your point, you you can't well, you can do whatever you want, but going in with violent action may solve that initial, what you think that initial problem might it might be or is, but what else is the ripple effect? What else does it create? Yes. 
from a news and investigative point of view and a lot of articles coming out recently, it's been pretty well shown that going in and doing those bombings and, and letting go of all of the military in Iraq and everything else has led to the creation, not the creation of ISIS, but the the furtherance of that type of group mm -hmm. and uh, moved a lot of people into uh, their camps. So it was all self-created by people who were, by all accounts, warned that it may do so, very likely do so, but they ignored it anyway. Right. So it is all of our own creation Well, and we don't look at things. Exactly. And we've talked over the last several shows with respect to the keys to self-mastery. And when we think about anger, what does anger lead us to? And that con the, the comment you made, Martin, about our anger gets out of proportion and how emotionally driven are we? And that's where it becomes so critical to adapt to and become more aware of the keys to mastery to help ourselves not get to that, that boiling point or that anger point. Yes, and I think, uh, well, you mentioned the Dalai Lama. There was something else he came out with as well, that when he was talking about war and the technology of war, mm -hmm. there's two things that struck me. He said, you have to understand, and it's that some things, sometimes we don't do it at all because we play war in our minds as, a, as an entirely different thing than what it really is. War is just going and killing people. And he said, you're killing people. He said, we're glorifying killing people. Mm -hmm. And the other part, he said, with all the new weapons and things coming out, he's looking at it and going, yes, you can be amazed by the technology, but you have to remember that that technology is again used to kill hundreds of people horribly. And we're thrilled by something that can kill hundreds of people horribly. Really? I mean, I agree with them. It, it's, yeah. it's illogical thinking. It doesn't even make sense from any heartfelt, moral, or a loving center point of view. It doesn't even fit. So from a sovereign self point of view, it's, it's sort of like, let's just go to the dark side. <laughs> right. And I think that's, you know, in, in, in the opening statement that uh, Ron gave us with respect to irreconcilable differences, I think that's exactly where, Ron, you were alluding to, is that when you feel like you're at the end of the road, you're not. There is another avenue. There's another door to open, another, another area to explore, as opposed to going to that violent nature. Mm -hmm. Always, 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 always. And that's the, that's the key point here, especially, I mean, it all begins, for me, it, it all begins whenever I'm on my Facebook page, for instance, mm -hmm. and I'm bringing up a topic that seems to be controversial in one sense or another. And I end up getting people who are explosive, they get very belligerent on the on the line. It's a matter of how I react to that. Mm -hmm. That will Sorry. that will set the tone as to where the line is going to go. And I find that the moment I react, that's the moment where it becomes very explosive. If I don't react, and even if one of their statements might make me rile against it, if I simply, in my mind, state this is simply one other person's point of view. This does not need to make me go all ape poop all over them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if I cut back, if I step back myself, if I willingly step back and I don't react to that statement, mm. and even in a sense, I, I simply state back, well, I see where you're going with this, 
and uh, and simply don't disregard or don't eliminate his need to express himself does changes the tone of the entire situation and then i've just averted a massive uh, discord well i think that's a great point too ron because i think i actually and i don't always do this but i like to think about controversial topics or conversation as just different opinions ways in which to allow ourselves to see things through a different lens as opposed to and I'm not always good at this, but as opposed to taking that opinion or that thought and immediately getting my back up. Yes. If I can approach it to, oh, that is not at all the way I would have ever, ever seen that. Let me think about that for a moment. Then oftentimes, you're right, you may not, even though it might rile you and you may not agree with it, it does cause your brain power to go someplace else. And hopefully yes. if you're doing that from your heart center, it takes you to a positive place. Mm-hmm. that creates or generates more conversation about a particular matter. But it will, and I often tell people this, when you're in that situation, it will appear as if you are going against yourself 100%. Yes, yes. It does, and yeah. that will be the most difficult thing that you need to face and not react to. Right. Well, because right. It, will, it will seem that you're going against every principle that you, that you hold dear. And yet, if you were just to hold back, you would see a slight twist in your mind that sets you sets you off on that path. As I've stated before, your emotions are the most amazing barometer for how you're thinking and feeling and whether you're in alignment with your core beliefs. Right. right. The moment you're not in alignment with your core beliefs is the is the moment you begin to emotionally react. Just like what grandmother Parisha used to say, if something ticks you off, step back and go, hmm there must be something here that I need to learn as opposed to jumping on top of them and trying to belligerently get the opponent to change their way of thinking to better suit what you believe they should be thinking. Yeah, and there's there's two things that come into play there is when people are faced with someone who has the dead opposite opinion, uh, as we've said before, everyone has this odd feeling that they have to be proven right so they always have to make themselves right. But two things come in there. Allowing other people their opinions doesn't ever mean you agree with them. And quite often people will listen to someone and if they don't retort immediately, it makes them feel as though they look disempowered. And when you come from those directions, it's, it's wise to say, well, no, just because I don't agree doesn't mean I'm disempowered. If you come from that and think about that, then you can put a what I would call a more loving and logical answer back. As you said, Ron, oh, I see where you're coming from. And if you put in comments, but doesn't this fit as well? You know, if they're not willing to even take any discourse well, then there's no point. In my mind, sometimes I just leave it be. But quite often that'll lead them up to being a little more open to talk about it. But even even the consideration of leaving it be and not needing even add, oh yes, a yes. statement. Oh, I mean, that's, if that's if, the, the, and this is more. It's always self. Yeah. It's always pointing back to yourself when you're when you're in the middle of a of a discord or a, dis, a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. It's always an indication because they've triggered they have triggered mm-hmm. an emotional reaction in you, which means that there is something that is not in alignment. In your paradigm of thinking, you have a contradiction somewhere. 
Otherwise, their statement, you would see it for what it is, which would be a contradiction within their own paradigm of thinking. Right. But because well, you're already set in yourself, it's easy to allow them their point of view because it, everybody's going to have a point of view. Everyone. Right. Yeah. And we have... But it doesn't mean you should always just let them sit either. I mean, part of the thing here is what level are they coming in at? If you say something and they come back and say you're just an F and whatever and leave it at that, well, no, there's no point commenting. But if they come back and say, no, I disagree because of this, 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 and this, then obviously they're open to discourse. So it's the level of discourse and the level of response that you, you play with. Right. All I'm trying to all I'm trying to state is, with regards to the law of one and to be and and, and the the sovereign self is, everything is allowed. Every, oh yeah. Absolutely, yeah. everything is allowed. It is just you, what you're willing to endorse, which makes you you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if everything, um, and I I always go back to well, how would creator? How would what would God? I mean, God is looking down on ISIS. God is looking down on these third world wars. Why doesn't he come down and stop them? Because everything is allowed in a free will universe. Right. Yep. No, it is. Everything is allowed. But I, I know I'm taking this to a fine line, but everything's allowed. But what I'm trying to get at is there are different levels of discourse on allowance and discussion. Yeah, I think I think there's a you're, you're right, Martin. There's a there's a fine line there, and I think when you get in that interaction, should you be in that interaction where there is that that line that gets crossed, it is oftentimes better to walk away from the situation than to flame the situation. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yes, it is. Yes, it yes. is. And normally, it it takes a lot of discordant ideas between two people before they will come to head, be before a so-and-so, like a third world war, for instance, is, is yeah. ignited. It, it takes a lot of trespasses against one another before we would get to that point. Right. And again, as we said, if you get to the point where you want a third world war, that's exactly where you should step back the most. Oh, yes. And relook at it. Absolutely, because it isn't a solution. Well, we've often talked about, you know, don't whether we're talking about religion or whatever, we've often said, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that is incredibly true when it comes to controversial discussion, conversations, or thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that is that most times there is, no matter how much you may initially feel like you're completely unaligned with what perhaps is being said, there is almost always a grain of something in there that is also your truth. And I think that you, you brought up a very important point. If you're in a discussion with somebody and you come across an area where you don't agree upon, in order to diffuse the negative emotions that may be stirring, go back to areas where you do agree mm -hmm. and praise one another for what you believe is the positive side right. of, the, of the argument or of the, of the communication. Go back to where you're, you're in agreement with one another and acknowledge that with, with each other. Then yep. it might, go, might be easier to look at the differences again and not be so inflamed. Right. And again, allow the differences. It's the differences that make us unique. It's the differences that will make humanity the resilient race that it needs to be when faced with a, a, a huge 
array of different races within the universe all vying for attention. Well, it's the differences that bring us to solutions. I mean, even if we think about the concept that we've talked about many times, and without light, there'd be no darkness. Without hot, there'd be no coldness. So it's those differences that bring us to that, that state of awareness and understanding, right? Yes. And then, and, and here again, if you're looking at, as I, I think I've mentioned this in the last program, if you're looking at the duality of things, know that this is the illusion that we're playing in. We're all on a stage of illusions here. Right. And we can make the illusions do whatever, we, whatever it is that we wish. We don't need to go over war to a state of war uh, with our illusionary realities here. Right. And I, I would add another solution to it is I agree wholeheartedly. One step is to go back to the pieces you agree on. Mm-hmm. But the other way on the pieces you disagree on Get to understand their disagreement more. Ask them yes. more in-depth questions. Okay, I don't understand. Why do you believe that? Why? What's good. causing that? What's doing that? And then maybe you'll get to the root and go, oh, well, that's easily solvable. How, yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly what, between Martin and I when we used to, earlier on in the years, we <laughs> go hand-to-hand with each other on certain issues. And we would persist in trying to get to the bottom of why what it was. And when we finally did, it was amazing how we recognized that we were we were both on the same track, right? Of looking at it at, at at opposing, just at different ways. Yes, right. Yeah, right. and between those two things, I don't think there's anything that's unsolvable. Correct. And that's that's one thing people have to move to, and and it's interesting, you know, when you mentioned that things that um, you see that that don't sit well with you, there are so many things in this world that don't sit well with me in many ways. I understand that it's where people are at, where their level of awareness is or what they're doing and in their reality what makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. But I always keep going back to if we could only just think and set one goal, how do we get to peace and harmony? It seems to be what everyone says they want in the world, but then so few people head in any direction that will bring peace and harmony that I put out the simple question, if you want to head towards peace and harmony in the world, look at every situation from that angle and how would you deal with it then, as opposed to just, oh, bomb them. It's not hard to set a goal like that and then shift your mind over to it and start thinking, well, that wouldn't be a good solution because, and then what could I do? What could we do? And it's really setting that goal and understanding that if that's truly what you want in the world, Set that as the goal and remember that every time you're talking about arguments, discussions, and disagreements, whether between people or countries or religions, what have you. It's not hard to set that goal. It's harder to keep it in mind. But if you do that, it will change a lot of how you think. And ultimately, peace in the, in the world, and this is, is corny because I hear it all the time, but peace begins with you. Mm-hmm. You are the one you need to you look at we look out at the world and we see the strife. We see various factions of humanity warring and fighting with each other. And yet, in our own minds, how often have we taken sides? Yes. And in so doing, we ourselves are still fomenting the idea that war is a feasible outcome with yes. ir- mm-hmm. irreconcilable differences. Mm-hmm. You have to look at and this is all part of and parcel of becoming a sovereign self. The more you work at empowering yourself and taking back the power that you have erroneously given everybody else in the world to make decisions for you. Right. Once you start taking that back, 
then it, the tough part becomes, as I said earlier, when you feel somewhere inside yourself angered by something. Mm-hmm. And then the first mistake is always to go outside yourself and try to change it. Yes. And that is the first mistake because you're not recognizing that the error is in your own thinking. Somewhere inside yourself, your thinking is not in alignment with who and what you say you want to be. Right. Exactly, yeah. And I've said it before, but I think that all of us, when we see an unloving behavior where someone's harmed or will be hurt or promoting that even, we recognize that as being unloving behavior. Our heart won't let us do otherwise. When we recognize unloving behaviors, you sometimes go into ego and react from old paradigms and the only answer is throw them in jail or hurt them or restrain them or do whatever. That is the point when you, re- when you do recognize unloving behavior and it starts getting your goat. Uh-huh. It's where you have to remember to stand back and go, okay, how do we solve this? That is a point where a lot of people don't stop. They cross that line and then move into the pure emotional ego body and react from that angle. Uh And we've been so brainwashed into having automatic reactions in all of this that we need to begin to, sorry, do we need to? Well, if you want to get to peace and harmony, you will need to step back and not move into that anger and hate all (laughs) the time. But Uh, it it starts with you. Yes, yes, yes. Whenever I have engaged in 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 a difficult conversation, somebody triggers my emotion, I have a tendency to react. Then I go back, during the conversation, I can go back in and say, okay, well, what's going on here? Why am I reacting? And if, by chance, I can figure it out, and it triggers the release of my frustration, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other person that I'm speaking to has changed. Right. But my view of him has changed. Right. Yeah. I now see him as someone who is in error and is crying for help. Well, if you think about it, we we often talk about our past and our journey, and you've often heard me say, you know, if you'd asked me this six months ago, or if you'd asked me this three years ago, I would have said this, and it's because of that evolution, it's because of that awareness and change, and it's the exact same thing that you're talking about, Ron, with respect to a conversation. If you don't allow yourself to be fueled immediately, but allow yourself to take that few moments to step back and actually go into that observer mode and say, okay, what's really going on around here? And why is it that I'm being triggered? Then you're far more capable of moving forward and finding resolution in many cases, not only for yourself, but in the conversation with whomever you may be having. Now that's not easy. And in fact, the more emotionally triggered you become, the more difficult it will become to recognize that you yourself are creating your own emotional hole here or emotional reaction that you're the one that is allowing yourself to become emotionally triggered they're not doing it to you no you are allowing it to do it to yourself and it's because of the way you are thinking or what you are thinking in that moment well yeah how many times have we said oh you hurt me Mm. you upset me you made me anger it's like no 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 no. (laughs) they didn't do anything you allowed it that's right and that that's the worst that is in antithesis to becoming your sovereign self when you continue to blame everybody outside yourself for your condition. Yeah, right. And when we talk about the old paradigms, I think, Martin, you said it earlier about going back to things that we've learned and been taught. And think about those phrases that I just used. Those are all phrases we learned very, very young. Yes. You made me mad. You made Mm -hmm. me angry. You upset me. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. 
Yeah. Sure. You know, it's it's almost that it's almost when we get to this stage in our life and, you know, wherever we happen to be in our level of awareness, I still find myself coming up with those phrases, even though emotionally that's not what I'm thinking, but that's the phrase that comes to mind. Yeah. And, you know, one of the interesting things on that type of reaction, too, and what makes it worse is we're all one. When someone comes up with a particularly touchy political or international situation and they say well what would you do this is the answer you know like going to war or whatever because someone can't think of the answer then they immediately defend themselves and go into the anger because they don't have an answer but what I always say to people is if you don't have an answer just say it and say I might not have an answer but I'm pretty sure we can all come up with an answer and that is in a way an opening to a solution but the other thing there, too, is if you don't want your country to go to war or what have you, is write your politician and say, no, there has to be a better way. War is not the answer. You might not know the answer, but I guarantee you that if 50 million people sent an email like that, it would Absolutely. cause them to pause. Absolutely. Don't, don't give up because you don't have the answer. <laughs> but, and I think there's a, good, there's a good point to that, Martin. And I think one of the things that that I wanted to bring to light here is that when you're doing that writing to yeah. someone, if you're doing it in an adversarial manner, right. the likelihood of you getting to that solution is further away. Yes. But if you approach it with, as you said, that humbling of, I don't like what's going on. This doesn't feel right. I don't know the solution. Here are some of my thoughts, or this is what I would like to consider. But if you come at it guns ablazing, you guys are idiots. This is not the way to do it. The likelihood of you getting to that solution becomes farther and farther away. You're right, Martin, with regards. That's one of the one of the keys to mastery is to be humble and to avoid spiritual arrogance. There are a lot of people out there that put so much importance on them having the answers for everybody else. Yes. That they will not allow themselves to look foolish by not having an answer on a particular issue. Yes. And, and that's like, that's and, a and big that, plague. And that's a that's huge. That's a huge error in, yeah. in judgment. That's again the superiority, the, the illusion of superiority. Yeah. Yes. And that it's okay at this moment not have an answer on something. Yes. We are all in the process of becoming, of becoming, period. Even though the illusion of ignorance is also an illusion. Right. Because in, in, many, in many ways, sometimes I will, in my mind, pretend that I don't know something. And instantly I do that if my intuitive body is open there is always something that responds. There's always an answer that comes. Yes. Right. But sometimes if you're so emotionally triggered by something, mm -hmm. you may not have your emotional body open enough to where something will seep in. Yes. Right. And so this is where you go to and say, well, I might not have an answer right, right now. I'm looking at the rest of me out there in you. Yes. To yeah. come in and to mine the wealth of that oneness, which is everyone. Well, the other thing too, I know for myself that oftentimes that fear, and I've often experienced it to this day, still wrestle with it, that fear of not knowing the answer or not knowing what to say. Yes. Yes. And I think that from my perspective, for myself, oftentimes that's not triggered as much by what I would call ego or superiority, but more low self-esteem or inferiority where I feel, will I be judged should I not know the answer? Yes. Or for me, it was always, and, it, and it's, it's like this with any 
anyone who goes to university and gets, you know, a dozen letters behind their name, the amount of time and money invested in your education, you will defend at all costs because if someone comes with an idea that challenges your whole paradigm of the way you're you're thinking in that moment, you're not going to want to let that go. You're going to, you're probably going to challenge that to a, to a higher degree. Yes. And that's, it's not open thinking. Right. It's, it's right. And that, and that is also another trap. And well, we've, all, we've all done it, right, from our area of expertise, whether it be, you know, whatever you went to school for or whatever industry you've worked in or whatever trade you have, you, you begin to feel like that's your area of expertise. And that's, in many ways, how you falsely defined yourself by way of your occupation or job or role. And therefore, yeah. You begin to actually box yourself in. You into that. You get to build yeah. yourself. You Build boundaries around yes. yourself mm-hmm. that clearly defines, okay, in this moment, this is who I am. Right. But as a sovereign being, your idea is to take those boundaries away. You're completely going to be boundless. There is no – God doesn't have barriers around him, so why should right. Yeah. But, but you think about the, the society in which we live, and you, you see it starting to break down a little bit more, but how often have you been introduced to someone and said, oh, this is, this is um, Martin Campbell. He's a doctor. And then two minutes later, oh, did you meet Mr. Campbell? He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Nobody says, but he's an upstanding citizen, but he's you know, the father of five children or, or whatever. We're often defined by our occupation or what it is we role. do. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting if you, when you speak to people in the first five minutes, how often do you actually have a conversation and they don't tell you what it is they do for a living? Mm-hmm. Because that's how we've defined ourselves. Ron, you mentioned it before we got into the program. You had that piece that someone said on separation? Oh, yes. Can you? Krishnamurti. Mm. He was asked about violence. And this is one of the quotes that he had. I'm going to read this to you. He said, when you call yourself an Indian or a Muslim or a Christian or a European or anything else, you are being violent. Do you see why it is violent? Because you are separating yourself from the rest of mankind. When you separate yourself by belief, by nationality, by tradition, it breeds violence. So a man who seeks to understand violence does not belong to any country, to any religion, to any political party or, or partial system. He is concerned with the total understanding of mankind. Yes. I love that. And that's a, that's a tough one for a lot of people. Oh, of course, of course. Because we, but I love again, it. Again, <laughs> we put so much importance on, right now, it's nationalism. Right. This was one of the things we spoke of earlier with regards to the U.S. military going into a country in order to assist in overthrowing a dictator. And a lot of times you will hear on U.S. media the number of deaths of their soldiers going over there, but usually there's no mention of the number of lives that were actually lost in the citizenry of that country in the war. Mm Mm-hmm. As if to say that their soldiers were far more important than the lives they were out to save. Mm-hmm. And that has always concerned me when I look at that, because this breeds, again, that nationalism. And as I said earlier, the whole idea of becoming self-sovereign is the releasing and the taking down of these barriers. And this includes the barrier of nationalism. Right. Well, all life is important. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, just because 20 of your citizens were killed doesn't give you the right to go out and kill a thousand of theirs. 
Right, exactly. It's, it's it's not all life is important. It's it's not a matter of tit for tat and we're more important. And that's what we have to get over. Exactly. Is that doesn't even uh, shouldn't even come into play. Right. I can see where people can get angry, but moving to that violence to get there is what the whole point we're talking about is not the answer. And it's really interesting the way we've been so brainwashed into it and. You know, when I was mentioning that just because you don't have an answer, it's one of the strongest forms of propaganda that people use. They say, you know, we're going to go do this because it's the only solution. Uh And when you sit there and think, you may not have another solution. And quite often against violence, the other solutions are a little more time-consuming and a little more thought-provoking and a little more lengthy. So you don't get an instant solution, so to speak, even though war isn't a solution. And so when people can't think of a solution other than what they're being presented with, then they just give up and go with it because they can't think of one. But that's what we're saying is when someone proposes violence as the answer, just because you can't think of one doesn't mean that a thousand of you couldn't. Right. And that's where we need to move our minds to. Violence isn't the answer. We can find another way. But that propaganda works so well. Well, and I think the other thing is is that we are a society that is very much um, of the belief of instantaneous answers and get it all done right away. I mean, how many times have we as society, whether we look at our, our polit- politicians or whoever we've n- voted into office and there's a, you know, a huge problem out there and we're, well, you know, they've been in office six months and they haven't done anything. We have this feeling of everything needs to be solved yesterday. Yes, and quite often with violence. Right. And, it's, and it's interesting, you're dead right, in that when politicians are reacting to, let's say, an attack by anybody, whether it's mm-hmm. Al-Qaeda, ISIS, or whomever, they always have to react, I shouldn't say have to, but they're sort of pushed to it from a political point of view, to react with more violence, because the people don't see any other solution. Right. And they immediately demand it, and they say, if you don't, they say you're weak, you're ineffectual, you're letting the enemy get away with this, <laughs> and they'll vote you out. Yeah, you're just sitting on this. You're not doing anything. Right. So yeah. it becomes a political pressure that if you want to stay in power, then you have to do it. And this is where the whole problem goes full circle. And I think part of it is we don't have people in our political system that are aware enough to find these solutions. They're quite often boxed in because they're not aware either. And so when you get people in power who are unaware... Well, that's what you get, war and violence. And that's where we, the people, can make the change Mm -hmm. because we are all one. So it's whether we're talking about, you know, people in power, politicians, terrorist groups, whatever. At the end of the day, it's the people at the the core of it all Mm -hmm. that actually evoke that change. Yes. Now, there has been a huge shift in consciousness in humanity over the last 80 to 100 years. A hundred years ago, or even during the Second World War, for instance, it was far easier to manipulate people into believing in these nationalistic ideas and the reasons why we needed to go to war. Today, it's not so easy. As people continue to evolve, as we see more people awakening and beginning mm-hmm. to take back their power in, a, in, in an understanding that to us simply means they're becoming more self-sovereign, the powers that are behind the instigations of these wars are indeed becoming very frightening. We've come to that point where you can no longer start an offensive war and 
expect the public to support you in this. Fall into line, yeah. Yeah, they won't. So now the only way that they can start a world war is through false flag events. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're seeing today. In in all of these attacks that we are seeing, these are all being created in order to get the people riled enough so that they they will get behind the forces that do want a world war. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that they can do this. There is no one out there who will start an offensive war and can expect to win because they won't have the public behind them. Right. It's a shift in the right direction, and I'm glad to see yes. it's growing quite yes. quite grandly. It is a huge shift in mental awareness that's, that's mm-hmm. going on, and I love it. It's amazing. I mean, when they were talking about putting troops on the ground in Syria, there was such a backlash against that. Exactly. That it sort of was entirely different than Iraq. You know, and it's good to see that people are saying, no, there has to be another solution. And I think we can, obviously, come up with other solutions. But I sometimes feel, as I said just a minute ago, that we have to get rid of some of the current politicians, the ones that are sort of lifetime politicians, if I can call them that, that are bought and sold by whomever to ferment the ongoing proliferation of arms and war and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Right. We're, we're still not quite, the majority of the human race is still not quite behind the idea that their politicians could actually be the ones behind the creation of the world war. That what they're saying to the public is not what they're doing behind closed doors. Right. Yes. Right. We still have a huge amount of people who can't possibly believe that their government would actually do that. It's the same thing with 9-11. Right. How many people still believe in the United States that it was done by 19 Muslims with uh, yeah. box, box yeah. cutter knives or whatever? Yes. Well, I, I think the, the, the challenge there, Ron, you're absolutely correct. I totally agree with you. I think the challenge there is that people are still in many ways very afraid to look at that possibility because it does, not unlike what you were talking about, about people who, particular education or spent all their money, they will defend it. Yes. It's the same thing with our society, yes. right? That's what we've always believed in and to let go of that and actually consider the fact that our government may not be what and who they say they are yeah. makes their whole foundation crumble. And that's a scary process. Right. It's, a, it's spiritual. The, the bottom line is the more spiritual a people become, the less they will fall into that problem of cognitive dissonance right. where their world belief will be shattered by something as, as honest and truthful as your politicians are not quite whom they seem they, right. exactly. they, seem they are. are. Yes, and, and the same goes, and I know we've mentioned it before, for the media. I mean, I don't know how many times I keep hearing that, you know, why don't the... Muslims stand up and and speak against ISIS, but they've been doing it wholesale. Governments around the world that are are Muslim-run have been standing up and saying, this is is not being Muslim, this is not right, this has to stop. And there's been thousands of groups that have come out with hashtags and everything else saying, you know, not in my name and not my whatever, and and they're all speaking out against it, and there's been many imams who have stood up and said, no, this is, but do you see that on the news? Absolutely not. No. So who's playing that game where they're not telling us the truth of the other side of what's actually happening? Exactly, keeping that piece hidden. And the reality is, because of the, the media that we've got, whether it be news, um, radio, uh, social media, 
we can still be very much controlled if we don't seek under the surface, if we don't, as a society, ask those difficult questions, we don't have those controversial conversations, then we're always going to have our heads stuck in the sand, right? Yes, and especially when you just take news stations and believe what they're saying, because mm-hmm. building fear and building sensationalism and building that gets them ratings, so they, they, they don't want to go there because they're only interested in the money. Right. The true as I call it, reporter and investigative reporting, has disappeared. Yeah. It's all become just what can we do to get more ratings. Yeah. Yeah, there's also There are also other elements involved here. The ones who are at the top and who are of the, of the dark, they have immense capabilities of manipulating and threatening people. Yes. There are have been so many people who have attempted to shed a little light in certain areas and they've disappeared. Yes. Yeah. Have yeah. actually disappeared. Yeah. So there are their their lives, their families are being threatened should yeah. they decide to break the rules or break the expectations of, you know, this cone of silence. Mm-hmm. We have way too many secrets on our world. Yeah. And but you're right, Ron, there is a reality to this. It's and that is there are people who are very much living in fear, and rightfully so, because there yep. is is a, a risk to them. And it's not until we actually get rid of that whole concept of separation oh, and yes. focus on the oneness that that will change. But in the meantime, these are realities for us. Yes. Now, things are changing. You just have to look at the world of the whistleblower today to see Uh how many people are now coming out of the woodwork and are naming names, are naming countries, are naming people, Mm -hmm. are are naming political lines and are saying things are not as they appear. There are more and more people, which is, in my estimation, a wonderful sign as to the growth of the human race. Yes. It's it's sort of forced transparency. We should have had transparency long ago. Right. <laughs> Again, I I would I caution that, and I I think the whole the whole concept of the whistleblower, and it's certainly far advanced over the years, and yes. I think that's that's terrific. The caution that I see is that oftentimes I'll see a whistleblower that comes out very adversarial and very guns a blazing, and I think that that tends to set people back a little bit. Of course. Whereas when they, when they do it with, you know, back to what Martin always says, if you if you speak your truth coming from your heart center, i.e. being the whistleblower, you will have a whole lot of people perk up and listen and jump on side with you. It's when you come out guns a-blazing and very adversarial, not coming from your heart center, but more I'll get you mm-hmm. becomes I mean, the, the difference there. Even in the world of the whistleblower, you also have – the dark will also put out their own versions in order to distract and to lead people away from the truth. Right, right. So even in the world of the whistleblowers, I've always said you have one whistleblower bringing up amazing new information about something. I always look to vet this information by seeing, okay, well, this is one whistleblower. What about anybody else? Yeah. Where are the other ones that are completely independent of this original source coming forward and uh, giving their story, yeah, which ends up corroborating the others? Yeah. So th- there is a discernment that still has to happen within the whole whistleblower testimony and trying to get to the bottom of everything and to see where the truth truly lies. Right. Oh, for sure. And, you know, Ron, you've talked a number of times about with respect to the keys of, of self-sovereignty and one of them being to be knowledgeable. We do have a responsibility to seek out that knowledge and to make sure that we're clear, not just following the pack, as it were. Or, or following articles that you already agree with. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is right. And this is this is one of the things so that the powers that be, the Illuminati or the Cabal, however which you wish to term them, they don't want people knowledgeable. They right. are deathly afraid of you knowing the truth because in so doing, you, you take the power away from them. Yes. They only have the power because you've given it to them. Yes. And I know there's there's a conundrum here from a, a legal and another point of view, but when governments get so untransparent and they're not telling you know, telling us what they do in our name that could cause us harm. Yes. When someone hacks in and gets documents that shows they're doing all these things, even though they know we'll end up with, you know, two thousand deaths of whomever uh, in your country at some point or other, they think it's worth the movement to do that even though it'll take lives. Yes. And when that type of thing comes out, they go after them because they broke the law and hacked in and took this information. And it's interesting to me that where's the line drawn here? Is it not better to know what they're doing that can, can cause us harm than some law that they cooked up so you couldn't find out? Yeah. And I'm not advocating breaking the law per se, but there's, there's the conundrum. I'll let everyone think about that. Yeah. Which, which is more important and which would you rather see? Right. The truth coming out about what people are doing or charging people who are hacking in and getting this information so you know. Right. And, and the reality is, Martin, and we, you and I have discussed this before, is that our laws are man-made and mm -hmm. our laws have changed over the years. So I totally agree with you. We're not sitting here suggesting that people go out and break the law, but maybe we question the laws, the laws of man. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the relevancy of this information, you're absolutely correct. Right. And there are way, ways and means of removing these laws in a natural and honest way, which is, you know, having the parades, having the, you know, the sit-ins, uh, those types, of, types yeah. of things that bring the attention of a certain situation to the world. Right. That's the way to change the laws. And in, if you were to really think about it, if we truly did have a world full of self-sovereign beings, there would not be one law in the world. <laughs> there would be no need. There would be That's no right. need absolutely no need for any laws. So when you see a society becoming more restrictive, then you know that they're the antithesis of its society seeking to spiritualize itself. They're wanting to reduce that and to control that and to, in, in most cases, eliminate that. Right. So it's, it, the more laws you have, the less free you ultimately are. And it's yeah. a difficult concept for many of us to understand. I recall back to reading Neil Donald Walsh with Conversations with God, uh -huh. and when he talks about that, that society where everyone is at their sovereign self. And I remember when I initially started to read it, I'm thinking, what? I think it starts out with something about there are no rules, there are no, yep. no dictatorship. And I thought, yep. oh my goodness, all I could see was the world going amok. Mm -hmm. And I was so intrigued to read on, thinking, wow, talk about a beautiful place to be where there wasn't all these rules, and yet everybody cohabitated very lovingly, very nurturingly. Everyone was living with peace and grace. And I thought, wow, talk about euphoria. Well, and, and again, it's all a matter of what brings you joy. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And being honest about it. A lot of times, it doesn't bring you joy to be far more restrictive. No. And it's interesting, you know, that that's so true that one of the things about that comment that Neil Donald Walsh made in his, one of his books is that we're not there yet, obviously. No. But that is the goal of yes. becoming your sovereign, everyone becoming their sovereign self. And that's what it'll lead to. 
So if that's what it'll lead to, what could we possibly have an objection to it? Some might, that's fine. But in my mind, there could be very few that could logically look at that and yeah. be give objection. But it is a step-by-step -step process. And it starts with every one of us. And I think that certainly from a political point of view, and if I put it out there, I think 2016 is going to be a very interesting year leading to January yes. 1, 2017, on how many of these dominoes will fall. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. I mean, that, one, of the big, one of the big ones is in regards to the extra, extraterrestrial disclosure. Yes. Mm -hmm. I see so clearly that we are just on the verge of doing this. Now, the extraterrestrials themselves have always indicated that they would much prefer humanity to actually take the lead role in this and reveal their presence willingly to the world. Mm. But there many years ago, it was stated that if there comes a certain point when we're not seeing humanity wanting to take that fateful leap, that they themselves would begin to instigate and would, would start the disclosure themselves. And I believe 2016, we will begin to see evidence of this. Yes. And it was, I think I mentioned it um, on a program a while ago, but I saw an interview with, I don't know whether he's the Russian prime minister anymore, but it was about a year and a half ago where he said he was given a briefcase when he became prime minister that had two things in it. One was the codes, of course, for nuclear bombs. And the other one was a file on, a synopsis of the file on ETs here and what they're doing. And he said, I'm telling you this because I want this brought out, but I don't want to bring it out myself. Yes. He says, I want us to work together to bring it out. But he said... I won't give it that many years before if someone else doesn't come forward and say, let's bring this out, I will. So I'm waiting for that as well, because he did say that, and I thought, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that was from the Prime Minister, uh, yes. which isn't Putin, it's someone else. Even Obama wanted to eventually reveal it. I think it was in 2010 when there was this whole, it, there was a lead up where he had made the statement that he wanted, he was going to tell something to the world. This was, I think, just before he was he was given the uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. And he was wanting to, to go for disclosure. And I think he ended up going to Norway, and there was a huge event in Norway that occurred, which m many people might not know of, maybe some of our listeners might hear about, but it was a there was a, a huge event in the skies in Oslo where there was this spiraling tunnel that was created. And not, not privy to the entire story, but again, he was prevented from coming forth with the Full disclosure. disclosure. So there have been times when some presidents, some people of very notable power in the mm -hmm. world, have decided they were going to to come forth and they've been stopped. JFK Kennedy was definitely one of them and look what happened with him. Yeah. And the Roman Catholic Church, the current Pope, has been another one that's dropped some weird hints for some of the cardinals, and yet that's not gone any further either. I have to suspect, though, whether he's doing that to try to save the Catholic faith. I don't know. Interesting. There's yes. just so many hints of this backwards and forwards from leaders that I agree with you. It has to come out. It well, I think it's encouraging. It I think it's encouraging that we are seeing this, and we're seeing it a lot more than we used to. So I think that that awareness growing tells us that we are in for some really interesting times ahead in a very, very good way. Yeah. We also have a world, and this, would, this is 
this is w- one of the areas where obviously I still ha- am being triggered. And, I, I, and again, that's something I need to learn within myself. But we have a world that is suffering so much. Our planet is in such need of cleaning up right now. Mm. And we have the technology. We are sitting on technology that can actually clean the oceans, clean the air, he- heal 99% of all human ailments. We ha- already have this technology. And yet it is all being suppressed. And this is all being tied in with the disclosure of the extraterrestrials. The extraterrestrials have have been assisting various factions on Earth with obtaining all of this black ops technology, this 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 you know exotic tech tech wizardry that can do all of these things. So we already have this here sitting, and yet we are still watching our world fall apart. We are still watching the oceans die. We are still watching people ravage the rainforests. Yes. So uh, it, it, I, I, I have an issue there, folks. Yep. I still have an issue. So for me, it's high time that the disclosure actually happens. One of the scenarios that was given by Corey Good, who is a whistleblower that uh, David Wilcox is bringing, bringing forward with regards to the space, secret space program, uh, solar war, as well as, as various installations on, the, on Mars, as well as on the moon. He was saying that this year could very well, we could very well see the disclosure in there. He's giving two scenarios, one in which the Illuminati are still behind the, in the disclosure process where they will give a little bit of the truth, release some of this technology, in hopes that we will not see the entire truth that they themselves were behind the you know how how much they have violated the human race and that they will they will avoid persecution this is something that i would prefer not to happen we need to remove those from power who are actually destroying the planet we need to be honest about this and, and bring this out now the other version would be that a world a mass world event something along the lines of financial collapse for instance where the entire world sees an event that takes place this in and of itself would awaken masses of people Right now, we're being told that the economy is wonderful. Everything is going well. The federal, you know, federal Reserve has raised its rates, so everything's appearing to be on the mend. We're all being uh, deceived here. Yes, yeah. Yeah. we're all being deceived here. So that, in and of itself, could be the re- the result of that that event. Could indeed awaken masses and masses of people who are saying that something's definitely not right here. It's at this point that the information that Snowden has obtained mm-hmm. has, has all been decoded now. This information could be dumped on the world at that point. Massive amounts. There are literally thousands and thousands of documents revealing exactly what the Illuminati have been up to, the technologies that have been procured. All of this would be instantly dumped onto the internet, along with the you know the existence of the extraterrestrials. All of this would be happen after an event like that, yeah. where the people would be molded and cajoled into accepting it as possible truth. If this dump occurs prior to an event like that, the Illuminati would step in and say, "Oh, this is all controversy. It's all conspiracy. None of it's true." So this is how Corey Good is stating that disclosure might happen in 2016. Mm-hmm. If we do get to see a financial situation or a massive world event, 
be prepared for the fact that right after that, there could very well be a massive dump on the internet, as well as various radio stations, television stations, that type of thing. I mean, there is so much information that the human race has to learn in such a short period of time in order to begin to save the planet. It's interesting to me, Ron, and we've spoken about this, but it's interesting to me that we have to wait or that we are willing to wait for that event, whatever it happens to be, to get that wake-up call. And we see that in our lives with everything, you know, the things that we put into our bodies. We wait to get sick for that wake-up call. It's Uh like we just don't, we don't follow our own intuition, our own self, our own self-sovereignty to say, wake up now. This is how much, this is an example of just how much we have been pre-programmed to not believe in our, believe in our divine, uh, our divine self. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, exactly. And I know there's all this talk that, you know, if they let it out early, then people will panic and it'll cause all sorts of things. The more I think about that, the more I think, well... I'm not sure that's true anymore. I really don't think, except for small groups, there would be much panic at all. I, I really don't, I'm not subscribing to that anymore. I think I, people are a little more, they would go for it. They're a little bit more aware. And I, I would like to, I'd like to believe that same thing as well, Martin, because I think that as we've talked in, in many of our past shows about the level of awareness that we are seeing, yes. we are not alone. Nope. And I wonder if we give, we, I say we as in the global we, don't give ourselves enough credit. Yeah, no, exactly. And I hate to say it, folks, but we're down to our last two minutes. Oh, well, wow. less, than, less than that of the program. Oh so This went fast. <laughs> yeah, it's been a good program. We brought up all sorts of probably new and controversial ideas for people, which is great because that brings awareness and you can begin to investigate and make up your own minds on things. And that's the whole point. And share with us. Yes, and I always like to think that we're at the lead of the necessary conversations that have to happen between people. We're just bringing up various pieces that if you're interested in, investigate them. If you have something else, by all means, write to us on facebook.com forward slash sovereign self and mention your own topics. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. And with that, we are there. So do have a fabulous week, everyone. Have an amazing week, folks. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen, or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash sovereign self. See you next week.